4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Man, oh man, the second bowl season is here in Las Vegas. We got the Pro Bowl coming up over the weekend. We got Pro Bowl events going on the rest of the week. The Shrine Bowl has been on the ground here since late last week as, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of uh, college football's best players coming to town to play a football game tomorrow at 5 o'clock, but they've been working out with coaches and NFL scouts and that whole deal for the last five or six days, and they're also part of the effort to raise money for the uh, Shriners Children's Hospitals, which is a tremendous, tremendous cause. The game is tomorrow night, 5 o'clock. You can get tickets at ShrineBowl.com. Tickets start at 19 bucks. Again, if you have not been to Allegiant, this is a great way to go see a cool football game, see our stadium, and also give to a really, really good cause. There are a bunch of stars in the game. Today they had a media day. I was down there. I had a chance to talk to a bunch of the players, and one of the guys I caught up with was Brock Purdy, who was a, a Heisman candidate to start the year. Had a good year, not a great year. Uh, and these things, it's weird, and we'll talk about this in the conversation. You know, you set expectations so high that you still have a good season, but not as good as people were asking for. So Brock Purdy's on to the NFL. He was a revelation at Iowa State and a revelation for Matt Campbell. And we started out the conversation, as I did uh, with a lot of the guys, talking about Allegiant Stadium. Well, this guy has been here. It's not his first time looking at it. He was here earlier in the season in September uh, against UNLV, and we mentioned the fact that, hey, you had a good time here, and it's good to be back. It's been good to come back. You know, we had a good game this past year against UNLV. Um, but, yeah, it's a beautiful stadium. Vegas is, is great, um, you know, with your team and stuff. So yeah. it's been a good time just to get out and, and enjoy ourselves a little bit with the free time. But other than that, it's, you know, we're out here for a reason and put on a show. So Talk about the week of events. I mean, it's a unique event with the balance between, you know, you're trying to prove your wares, you're getting NFL instruction, but it's also a great charity and you're getting a chance to meet the kids. Yeah, I think, you know, the cause for this for the bowl game and everything has been, you know, it's for me, it's awesome, you know, to come out here and, and play for the right reasons for, you know, the right people. Um, and then other than that, you know, it's a great, great time to come out and, and showcase. We're going to be on NFL Network. we got all the scouts and everything out here. So, um, yeah, you definitely had to, you have to have a good balance, you know, throughout the week and stuff. You got NFL interviews. And, you know, everyone's watching every single move that you make. So it's like you have to be, you know, from here on out, you're a professional. You know, it's different from college. So the voice of Brock Purdy, uh, quarterback from Iowa State. You just mentioned all the eyes are on you. They were on you all season long. So how do you grade your season? I mean, you know, people, you get put up there as a Heisman candidate. Uh, everyone expects this a monster year and the team to go whatever, you know, 11-1, 12-0. How do you judge your year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we went into the season, just like you said, with high expectations, you know, to win the conference and then try to get into the college football playoff. Um, and so for us, you know, obviously we, I think we fell short of our goals, no doubt. Um, but at the same time, you know, the games that we did lose, you know, it came down to one possession um, games, you know, every single time. And so for us, we, we're not getting blown out. We're still a respectable team and everything. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we wanted to do more. And that's no secret um, for myself. You know, I, I feel like, I could have been a little bit more of, you know, more consistent and stuff down the stretch in some games. That's something that I have to look in the mirror and, and be real with myself. And um, But at the end of the day, it fires me up. You know, I want to learn from it, grow, and, and uh, be, be willing to take my game to the next level and be able to play and have a career in the NFL. Well, I'm sure every Iowa State fan would say, awesome career, right? Thank you so much. 
Like you said, this is a fresh slate, though. So what's the instruction been like with NFL coaches? And, you know, what have you gotten out of this where you're like, okay, I do need to improve here, here, and here? Yeah, um, I think the cool part about being out here is, you know, obviously what you did in college was important and everything, but you come out here and it's like a clean slate of, you know, you come out, you got to learn playbook, you got to go out and execute with guys that have come around all over the country. You have to be on the same page with them. So um, it's almost like, yeah, you got to come out here and, and restart in a, in a sense, you know. Um, build off the things that you weren't the best at in college and everything, but you know, being able to be adaptable, be, being able to be coachable from these guys that are obviously professional coaches. So, um, you know, they're noting that kind of stuff, and and for us, you know, we're trying to take our game to the le- to the next level, you know, in all areas. So that's really how it's been. Brock Purdy's with us. ShrineBowl.com, $19 tickets. Those are the uh, lowest price tickets. And, you know, those in Vegas know it's a pricey ticket to get into the stadium to see the Raiders. So if you haven't been to the stadium, it's your chance to get in. And the cause is awesome. We have the Shriners Golf Tournament here, so a lot of people know about that. But this football game, you know, you're contributing to a great charity, and you're getting to watch uh, big-time football here on the field. By the way, I'm a little confused. How come there's not another Purdy at Iowa State? What, what What's going on here? Yeah. It's going rogue. Yeah. Nah, he, uh, he wants to do his own thing, you know, go out and create his own uh, legacy. And um, But he is in the Midwest now. He's back. He's in Nebraska. So I think we're, uh, we're a Midwest family now. But I'm excited for him. It's a good opportunity for him. And he's taking it one day at a time and, and ready to give everything for the Huskers. So. What would you tell scouts about? Uh, you're a big prospect, but you have, I think, you're the best prospect on the team, if I'm correct on this one, would be your tight end. Yes, sir. Yes. So what well, would you – I mean, running back, Brees Hall. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. Brees actually might go higher. So what would you tell NFL scouts about those guys in terms of their work ethic and character? Yeah, I mean, the culture that we have at Iowa State, if you don't have good work ethic and character, you stick out like a sore thumb, you don't last long. So those guys, they're great team players. Everyone wants to play for them. Um, the chemistry that they have with guys on, on and off the field, like those are the kind of want to have in your program and in, in, your, in your culture so um, obviously Charlie's a freak Reese is a freak and more than that they're uh, they're good human beings so. yeah like I said they were uh, they were freaks here against UNLV it was pretty impressive stuff all right I'm gonna put you on the hot seat here right we just talked about your brother transferring uh, coaches are encountered all the time hey hey coach you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna transfer right there is a possibility with the hot button news right now that your coach, Matt Campbell, could get offered another big job, Michigan. As a guy who played for him, what would you tell him? I would just tell him he knows himself more than we know him, you know. Um, whatever his decision is, uh, it's going to be best for his family and himself um, and obviously the coaches around him and their families. So, you know, Coach Campbell's all about character and doing doing things the right way. Um, everyone knows that. and. For me, like personally, like knowing him, um, he is that. He's everything that everyone speaks about. So um, I know he's going to make the right decision. But for me to say, stay out, go, you know, that's not up to me. I know what, what's what's in his heart is what he's going to go with, and I'm excited for him. There he is, former quarter uh, Iowa State quarterback Brock Purdy. At the end, there we're discussing the rumors that Jim Harbaugh could be headed to the NFL. Michigan could open up, and Matt Campbell at Iowa State. Brock's coach would absolutely uh, be in the mix for that job. So uh, very interesting. And he's basically going to stay out of Matt Campbell's uh, business. Um, We also talked about, to clean up a couple of things, uh, his brother Chuba was at Florida State. He transferred to Nebraska. And then Nebraska uh, also brought in another high-profile transfer. So uh, the other Purdy's going to have a battle uh, with the Huskers for the job. He made reference to uh, being a Midwest family. They're actually from Arizona, which is still amazing that both of them, Chuba and Brock, uh, didn't land 
in the Pac-12. And Iowa State has some awesome prospects. They came in and they they handled UNLV pretty good. UNLV was competitive in almost every single game, but Iowa State was super impressive. And they've got a tight end who's uh, gigantic, great hands, good speed. Uh, Charlie Kolar and then uh, Brees Hall is well-known around college football as one of the elite running backs. So we'll see what happens with uh, the Iowa State players. And I, I think Purdy, he's, by the way, um, it is interesting when you get to uh, – you know, I do. I obviously get to deal with a lot of Mountain West Conference players and see them up close, like the UNLV players and the other players around the conference. But it's interesting at an event like this, where you get to talk to a guy like Brock Purdy. I'm not a big dude, nor is Brock Purdy. Um, I actually talked to Derek King today, who is small, but uh, Derek was saying that he's pretty much made the decision. And at the uh, Shrine Bowl, uh, they've been working him more at receiver, and he did play some receiver in college, but. Uh, Derek King to play as well as he did a quarterback. Uh, he's a little smaller than I am, and I'm only five uh, nine. And as Ari knows, I don't lie about my height, so I ain't you know dude lies about being five nine. So he was a little smaller than me. But Purdy's not a big guy. Um, but could he have a place in the NFL as a potential starter down the road? Maybe. Uh, could he be you know one of those twelve or fifteen year? You know, I mean, I'll, I'll joke about this. You know, a, a clipboard Jesus like uh, Whitehurst was right. Uh, Chase Daniels made a lot of money in the NFL as a backup over the years. Could it be a, a good backup? Maybe. And we'll see. I'm sure his dream is to get drafted, to uh, get to the NFL, and actually have a starting gig at some point. So interesting conversation there with Brock Purdy, and he's going to be on the field tomorrow. He's playing. You can get out to the Shrine Bowl. Tickets as low as 19 bucks. It's at our own Allegiant Stadium. Excellent, excellent uh, event and charity with the uh, Shriners Hospital. So Get your tickets at uh, ShrineBowl.com. On the way back, we're going to talk to uh, Caleb Herring. He's a little bigger. I'm around Caleb. Caleb is a kind of a prototypical uh, QB dude. He is, uh, when you see him, you're like, whoa, all right, Caleb's a big guy. Uh, Caleb is, I think, a little miffed right now with what went down yesterday with Brian Flores and what's happened around the NFL. So we'll break that down in just a couple of minutes. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Humiliation, disbelief, uh, anger. I've worked so hard to get to where I am in football, to become a head coach, to go on that was a sham interview. I was hurt. And, but you uh, went knowing that you probably weren't going to get it. Maybe it's called it, call it the audacity of hope. You know, I have a belief that, you know, there's good in people. I, I just do. You're listening to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. That was the voice of a former Dolphins coach, Brian Flores, who's bought brought suit against the National Football League and several teams uh, claiming racial discrimination. Um, inspiring story in many ways, but very sad that this needs to happen. Uh, breaking news in, Raiders have hired Champ Kelly as their assistant GM. Uh, apparently, it was a position that really didn't exist, but they were impressed with him during the GM interviews. He was with the Bears as the assistant director of player personnel, but Champ Kelly will be added to the management team with the Raiders and Caleb Herring's with us. Caleb played football at UNLV. He calls the games now. He's a keen observer of uh, not only the sports world, but the world in general. And I'll tell you, Caleb, next move I would love to see the Raiders make is to add Brian Flores to the staff. Yeah, I, that's, I think, something that a lot of people in Vegas that I've seen or at least talked to have, have said, that Brian Flores coming into the fold will be a great addition to 
the the Raiders and what they need, especially from a defensive standpoint with his background and where he's coached and the acumen he brings to the game. He's definitely worthy of head coaching um, by his resume, by what everybody has said about his ability on the field and what he does between the lines with the X's and O's. Um, and, and, and the Raiders bringing him in would be so Raiders, right? Like, I mean, in, in the midst of this storm, um, for the Raiders to give somebody in his position a chance and another shot to prove himself to to kind of give some validation to his claims that he he's worthy of the job and he's worthy to, to make an impact in this league as if what he's done with the, what he did with the Dolphins the past couple seasons wasn't enough. I mean, um, with what he was working with down there with the organization and and um, their support of winning, I guess is how I'll say it. Uh, and to be able to have winning seasons, consecutive winning seasons in spite of, he'd be a welcome addition to the Raiders and, and to the Las Vegas community. And somebody I think the players who desperately need to rally around some sort of leadership here in Vegas would would have no problem rallying behind. So I saw you tweeting a lot yesterday about this situation with the lawsuit with Flores. So I'm sure there's a lot that makes you angry, but uh, what gets you most fired up about this whole scenario? Oh, boy, it's tough. I, I mean, it's... It's it's becoming so repetitive, and I think exhausting has been the word that's been used. Um, Ryan Clark, I think, used that, um, a, a, as well as others who have who followed it and, and spoken about it. But the the fight for representation um, as a black man, I think, is uh, is frustrating, and and the the fact that you have to be, and it, what it seems like, you have to be that much better. At whatever it is your craft is, because this this conversation right now, obviously, we're talking about it in the scope of football, but in America, it's bigger than that. And I think it, the scope of where you you want to take this conversation, and it's a it's the reality of the situation, and something that you as a black man have to accept, right? And in certain circles, you have to be this much better just to get in the door, just to stay in the door, um, and you know, clear cut, head and shoulders above the rest of the flock in order to get the nod from from people who have excluded you from a business that you contribute to, um, to take leadership. And that's the most frustrating part is, is how big do you have to be, um, in order to be the guy, right? When everybody else is saying you're, you're good enough, but the people who are in control to make the decisions doesn't really matter. You know, the, the nepotism, the good old boy system, it's, it's not, it's not like we didn't know it, but it's just these reminders every now and then when you think you're making progress, you look at, you know, Patrick Mahomes being, you know, the, the best quarterback in the league, arguably. And he's a he's a, a person of color. And you say, yeah, we're making so much progress. And then there's this reminder. And that's, I think, the most frustrating thing, that it's still up to us. We're in control at the end of the day. And we did all of this diversity inclusion statements and helmet stickers and the anthem and the, the lift every voice and sing before and uh, the commercials during halftime. All the things we've done to say how much we want diversity and inclusion. And then you know, the owners are still the same owners and they do the yeah. same thing at the end of the day. It's it, that's frustrating. You know, it's like at what point do you get fed up and say, you know what? We don't need NFL anymore. We're going to go make our own way. And that's kind of what it feels like. You know, look at Deion Sanders and his example of whatever he was frustrated with, with the college power structure. And he decided to flip that script on his head and go to Jackson State. That's the kind of thing this makes you want and want to pursue rather than trying to get access to a club that obviously doesn't want you to be a part of it. Right. So, and, and that club is the NFL owners and and their constituents, right? It, it, you, you keep getting denied. So at some point you're going to stop and your services are no, lo, no longer going to be rendered at that, at that place of business. And these kind of, it's either let us in or we're out. And I don't know if right. this is that point, 
But um, with 70% players being black um, and one coach in the entire NFL being their representation, I think that's a, you start getting into that territory where people are, are maybe start considering pulling out and going with alternative options with their talents. You know, I'm so glad a couple of minutes ago you mentioned Patrick Mahomes, you know, that he's at the top of the game, you know, for people who are a lot younger than me and a little bit younger than you, you know, maybe don't, they don't remember that like this wasn't always the way it was where based on merit, anyone could play quarterback. Uh, hell, we just talked to Warren Moon yesterday on the show and Warren Moon had to freaking go to Canada and play for a good portion of the beginning of his career because he was not going to be welcomed into the NFL because that position was not open to African-Americans. So we've made progress there, which let, let's come. Well, I'll, I'll do this first. Uh, Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. We can break down his game if we have time today. Uh, the guy who's working hand in hand with him, the offensive coordinator. I mean, Eric Bieniemy has gone from barely getting a sniff to like, there's no sniffs now. This is unbelievable with the enemy. It's 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 unbelievable to a degree, and it's I I almost at this point wonder if it's something with him personally not wanting even to pursue it anymore. Where he's like been, he, like I guess, he's shut been, out maybe, so much. Yeah, he's good where he's at. He's I'm like, I'm the OC of one of the best offenses. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm solid where I'm at. Like I'm I I'm good. I like. At this point, that's the only logical explanation that I can think of, right? Like, it's his choice that he's not actively pursuing as aggressively and maybe as you want. He's happy under Andy Reid. They got a good thing going. Why mess it up? I think you got to take some of that into consideration, too. Like, it's not at this point. And that's that's another thing with this whole conversation that gets lost. There's individuals who have different approaches and who may not be aspiring to be a head coach. Um, and I, I think, you know, people of color and black people – have to have room for that conversation as well. Like every black coach does not aspire or want to be the head coach or the martyr, let's say for the race. Like in this case, it's Flores. He's, he's saying I'm, I'm dying on that cross, so to speak, but that's not everybody's cross to die on. Some people are willing to work within the, the means that they have and, and wait for their opportunity that way. And we have to have grace for those people as well. Um, but yeah, with, with the whole Patrick Mahomes, stuff, I, I was a quarterback who was told and heard, um, in my young days, that uh, black guys don't black players don't make good quarterbacks because they don't use their head; they use their athleticism. And I that was in my lifetime I heard that. So th yep. this whole race dynamic with football is a real thing, and I want people to understand it as a real thing. It's not some some uh, some some made up construct that we're just trying to thrust in a game that that well, race doesn't have a point. No, racism exists in a lot of different ways, and maybe being exposed to it and having the conversations is important for people that maybe don't credit it as such. Racism is real in football. And this, this floor situation, the, the allegations, what they are in my own personal way of viewing them. I like to, you know, just my personal, I like to try to assign racism and discrimination. It's due and not give it any more than it needs with the allegations of the Flores. I, I could see how there's racist tones there and I don't want to give everything to racism. Right. I, I know I've personally been a part of, job interviews where I went into the interview and I knew that the guy that interviewed before me had the job like he it was his job to lose and if he nailed the interview he got it right I've I've been a part of it. so that's something that happens um the whole Belichick misunderstanding and miscommunication text that to me I you know I'm going to assign racism and discrimination it's due and I think there's no doubt that there's discriminatory hiring practices within the NFL 
And it's on the basis of the good old boy system. I'm not going to necessarily say it's all racism. It's just, you know who you know, and you're going to give the job to who you want to. I, I understand that, but you got to understand how that comes off as racism and how black people in this position for years and decades, not just in football, have felt excluded for similar situations where due to the discrimination of our history, we're not in positions to be owners, to make the decision to hire people. And that's just the way it is. When the NFL was founded in the early 1900s, black people weren't even thought about in the ownership capacity. So that it's it's not our fault, right, that we find ourselves in this predicament. And I think that's one of the most frustrating things about being a black man in this situation is it's not my fault that I'm not an owner or that people that look like me aren't owners of virtually any industry in this country. But all we want is an opportunity to show that we can do it. We can have those leadership positions. And at least we should be able to lead the people that look like us to do the things that we feel we're good at. Right. I mean, it's a whole deep conversation that this lawsuit brings up and i hope the best comes out of it i hope the nfl can live up to its statements finally and and do something effective about it because the rooney rule and i've said this to you steve that the rooney rule to me was never going to work as it was intended to work um and and this is exactly the case in point right here why it wouldn't work If if a franchise can just check a box and be within the rooney rule regulations then they're gonna do it if if it turns out the flores was just a rooney rule interview then this is what the Rooney Rule was intended to do, to have owners check a box and go about their business as they wanted to uh, to start with. So there's a lot that needs to be done. A lot better can be done, in my opinion. And I want to see more people of color in the sport of football and in sports in general have opportunities to be in leadership roles and positions. Um, And I think that will go a long way towards helping improve the culture around sports and really racism in America. Caleb Herring's with us. Really important discussion. Caleb, of course, played at UNLV. Uh, is the analyst for UNLV football. Uh, let's talk a little UNLV here. Uh, boy, oh boy, roster building in 21-22 is fascinating. I think Marcus Arroyo is very much into it, the coach of UNLV, because he explained it, that today was signing day number two, maybe the middle one. There won't be a lot of pomp and circumstance the next time around, but the way he's looking at it, There really is like three signing periods because they're up to 17 players that they've signed. Today was all transfers. There's going to be another wave. There's a third wave coming at some point. It's going to go probably into the summer. It's weird, isn't it, Caleb, that you kind of have to keep a lot of your options open because once the spring starts and even for the next, you know, couple of weeks, there's going to be more players going into the portal and you got to, you got to use your resources. Then the other thing is, there's a lot of high school kids now who are falling between the cracks. So at Absolutely. the end, you look around and you're like, hey, I, I need to grab some of these high school kids too. The, the market for recruits is constantly changing. I mean, I remember a time where it was like you either signed, even going back, you signed in February and that was it, right? Before the early signing day. That was it. That was your recruiting. It was done. You're moving on to, to winter, to winter conditioning, spring ball, whatever, and the off season. But your roster's done. At this stage, there's really a nonstop recruiting door that, of opportunity where you always have to have an eye on the pulse of the transfer portal who, like you said, fell through the cracks in high school. A lot of guys think they have uh, or think they should be landing at the Alabamas of the world and uh, fall through the cracks. And uh, if you fall that far from you know Alabama to UNLV, that's, you know, that's a, a fortunate situation. But I'm sure Marcus Arroyo would turn that stone over if it happened. 
Um, that's just the kind of demeanor he's had about the whole situation. He's done a good job, like you said, of landing some some key positions. And I think with this recruiting class for Arroyo and, and UNLV football, um, the stars of the recruits, and I think just in, in general, nationally, the stars of guys coming out of high school and what they were recruited as isn't as important. I mean, ranking the recruiting class as far as number one in the conference, things like that, for Marcus Roy and this bunch is not as important as finding pieces that fit what the need is for the roster. And I think you're seeing very much more of the selective nature of the recruiting process with the Royal picking from the transfer portal, what he feels he needs um, recruiting from high school, what he feels he needs and what's best available for him. And like you said, having the patience and presence of mind to understand it doesn't end after February 22nd or February 2nd, right? It doesn't end now. There's still so much more opportunity, like you said, to go steal a guy from the transfer portal to get a grad transfer um, in the spring when somebody graduates and wants out of their their program to go snag one of those guys if you feel like it's necessary the recruiting process is constant now and it's i mean it's tireless work i, I don't think i'd you know sign up for it but arroyo has a taste for it he likes it he understands it and and hopefully the transfers that came in are going to contribute in, in a big way to it to the tune of a program turnaround well, in a conference like the Mountain West Conference, especially a group of five, I mean, I think the the coaches and the staff that work the hardest are going to win out here because you are working all year long. Um, I don't know how much of a difference it makes. It does. Of course, it's going to make a difference at every level. I was going to say, you know, you know, the top ten programs, well, there's a reason they're there because they worked their ass off to win the, uh, the traditional way. And it was interesting today um, at the second signing day uh, just how they're kind of mixing and matching the roster. Arroyo said they've now signed in, in – uh, in a couple of years, 74 players, 48 high school, 11 JUCO, and 15 transfers, right? So, I mean, you have to – you see you have to kind of pick from all different areas. Um, I asked him about the – you know, the notion now that, hey, they've just picked up four or five receivers. They have most of their receivers coming back if those guys choose to come back, if they're not pushed out. Um, and I threw it at him. I'm like, hey, are you – you don't have Charles Williams. Like, is there a chance you're going to throw 35, 40, 45 times – um, he kind of danced around it. You know, he's not going to commit to anything. What do you think is going to happen? I, I, based on, like you said, the, the recruits that are coming in, um, the receivers and the receiving room that we already had at the end of last year, I'd say there's definitely a chance that the passing game gets more of a focus um, this next season coming up. I think that's absolutely what I would predict. Um, and it's mostly because of Charles Williams making his exit from UNLV. And I think – the ground game has always been such a sure thing with him and other running backs before him at UNLV. Um, this is the first time in a long time, really, that it's been a question mark of who's going to fill the shoes in the backfield. And I think what you're seeing is answering that question with the receiver room, which is already pretty solid. I mean, you got a freshman of the year in Williams. You got some, some potential talent there, um, you know, from Zyle Griffith and, and, and other guys who stepped up in that receiving room. Steve Jenkins also, you know, you got guys in that room that you can say, are going to be there next year. So why not bolster that room up a little bit more to make that the focus of the offense? I could see that as being the likely uh, likely outcome for this offense next year, um, especially if the running game doesn't pan out without Charles Williams, right? Like you always have that to fall back on. Um, and then with, with Harrison Bailey stepping into the fold, I think he's got, from the looks of it, some comfort slinging the rock and getting the ball out of his hands quick with timing, um, making the passing game more of an extended handoff instead of always – the deep shot, big play that it seemed to be off of the play action with UNLV last season. So I definitely think the passing attack gets more refined 
um, and gets finds itself as more of the center of attention on UNLV offensively for a lot of natural reasons. But if you look at this recruiting class, you know, guys like Ricky White coming in who who, who should make an impact um, if they're available is is going to be, I think, the focus the, the receiving room bolstered up and, and really attacking with the wide receivers as instead of through the trenches like we're accustomed to seeing. The quarterback room is fascinating. They've got a, a local coming in, uh, you know, Hawaii kid um, who's going to be added to the back end of the room. They've got Harrison Bailey, who's one of the big names that was announced today, Tennessee transfer. They got Cameron Friel. They got Doug Brumfield back. Uh, if I'm Friel and Brumfield, first of all, I'm, now I'm getting, you know, some, uh, more competition. Um, the advantage I had was that I know the system and I know my OC and quarterback coach. Uh-oh. Uh, Glenn <laughs> Thomas. Yeah, Glenn Thomas is gone. I mean, you went through these changes a lot when you played, but Glenn Thomas is gone. I mean, it's it's significant. I mean, I think it's a little different. Like, you 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 know, you played for Bobby Houck, so offense, defense, and all that stuff. Uh, Arroyo is certainly an offense guy, and he's a, a former quarterback and you know, loves being in the quarterback room. So what are you thinking right now if you're one of these quarterbacks battling and you're like, I don't even know who the OC is? I'm thinking, get me an OC in a playbook immediately, right? Like that's I want to get as much time with that playbook as possible. And like you said, in this situation, it's a little different because I think Arroyo is going to have his hand all over the offense, his imprint. I don't know how much will actually even change. You know, if he just decides to go ahead and keep the same system in place and bring in an OC that's just you know willing to put the scheme together and call the plays for him, or if he takes over play calling duties, we, we you know that's a possibility here. But it's unfortunate if you're a quarterback because, like you said, I've been through uh, – I, I went through four offensive coordinator changes, believe it or not, under the same head coach um, at, at UNLV. But every time, it's learning a new system. It's learning how to walk all over again, um, which takes away from your actual physical ability. You can't um, act out the the things that you should if you don't know where you're supposed to go, right? If You, you can't play at full speed. If you're questioning yourself, it's it's very hard as a quarterback, especially if you don't have a command of an offense going into an offseason or season to put your best performances out there because you're still learning. Um, so the consistency, you know, we had a couple years of the same coaching staff. Now there's a little bit of a shakeup. How much of an impact does that shakeup make? I think Arroyo and his staff are going to be aware of that. Arroyo being a former quarterback and having that experience, he's going to understand exactly what those guys are going through as far as having to relearn a whole offensive language, if that ends up being the case. But I imagine that there'll be minimal impact to the, the vernacular that's going on in the quarterback room, to the play schemes and, and things like that, the concepts that they're going to be trying to implement the offense. I think are going to be very similar, if not the same, um, even with the change of the offensive quarterback. But that's that's a tough transition. Um, and I, I feel for the guys in a competition who have to go now and possibly learn a new playbook, it's going to heat things up a little bit. I'm excited to be out there to, to get a first look at a lot of these guys in uh, the spring. And by the way, everyone they announced today, all seven guys are in school, in classes. So they're getting the early start and they're going to be there for the spring. So that's a that does make a gigantic difference. And we saw, thank God, Cameron Friel was in early last year. Yep. Because who knows what would have happened to quarterback if he didn't have all that extra learning for a few months by being in uh, – as a uh, spring dude with the rest of the guys on the UNLV football program. All right, Caleb, we're, uh, we're up against it. We could do this forever. So much to talk about. We'll catch up with you soon. I'll see you. All right, man. Have a good one. Enjoy the rest of your week. There he is, Caleb Heron. Giveaway time. Luke Bryan tickets. We got caller 7 and 8, 364 uh, Big show coming up on the 25th. That's uh, Friday, February 25th at Resorts World. Caller 7 and 8. Luke Bryan's awesome. Uh, you're going to want to go check him out. Uh, he's in town for uh, one of many of his residencies, February 11th through the 26th. So this is towards the uh, tail end 
of the run for Luke Bryan. Caller 7 and 8364-1100. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today. You're live with the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company. I don't care if the sun don't shine. I do my drinking in the evening time when I'm in Las Vegas. You can sit in the sun and camp. A couple minutes away from checking in with the fellows at the Westgate. Talk about their uh, mega props for the Super Bowl. Find out some early signs of the action on uh, this uh, matchup between Cincinnati and the Rams. No home field factored in. We'll uh, we'll talk to Art from the Westgate in just a few. We got breaking news on Jim Harbaugh, the coach of the no, not the Vikings. Uh, apparently, he has told Michigan he is staying. So I wonder what happened here. We'll get more details pretty soon. Wonder if there was a disagreement on philosophy or the Vikings said uh, no, thank you. But uh, Michigan can breathe a uh, sigh of relief, I guess, for a couple of days until someone else around the NFL reaches out because it seems like he had a lot of interest in coaching in the NFL. Weird situation. Caught between a rock and a hard place Michigan is right now. So I mentioned earlier that I was out at the uh, Shrine Bowl and uh, those guys are being you know, taught and instructed and I'm sure sliced and diced before they play the game tomorrow night right here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. And some prospects choose to go to, you know, games like the uh, the Hula Bowl and the East-West Shrine. The, the elite of the elite games is the Senior Bowl. Um, so you can choose to go or you can you can take a pass on it. You could just base it on what you do at a pro day or multiple pro days. But one of my favorite things that comes out during the process of analyzing prospects is the measurables. And we're back at it again with the quarterbacks as Kenny Pickett, the Pittsburgh quarterback, who may be the top quarterback taken in the draft. Now, he could be the top quarterback taken at five. He could be taken at 15, 28. He could slip into the second round. Who the hell knows? But right now, he's not going to have his hands measured. And we know this is always the, some people say goofy, it is actually important. Now, the way they measure their hands is is a little bit weird because it's the stretching of the hand, and a lot of it is your flexibility with your thumb. It's measured across the way from your pinky to your thumb. And in the case of Kenny Pickett, I guess, I don't know that anyone's confirmed that he's got kind of the, the baby hands, the Mark Sanchez, the Dave Craig hands. Um, but they've acknowledged that his thumb on his throwing hand is actually – kind of bent in a weird way and doesn't have the right flexibility, believe it or not, to match up with the way they measure hands. So read into the story because I don't think it's about um, him being a, a fumbleitis guy. I mean, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But they're actually, it's so weird. They're, they're trying to stretch out his hand so that it can measure to the maximum level. But I think a lot of people would respond by saying, can he hold on to the ball? And more importantly, how does he throw the ball with his you know, jacked up thumb. Uh, that should be the most important thing. Now, this said, yeah, I see some people reacting to this. 
Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh quarterback, top quarterback, and his hand measurement by saying, uh, here's one tweet. Um, the fact that it's 2022 and this is still a thing is insanely stupid. Can the kid play or not on film? That is insanely stupid. Who cares what he did on film at Pittsburgh? It is such a small part of the process. And, yeah, your measurables do matter. There are certain things you can't overcome. And if you had especially small hands, guess what? I mean, I guess you can improve slightly with ball security, but we've seen with our own quarterback here in town, Derek Carr, I mean, it's something he needs to work on. He has fumbled the most in the NFL since what? Is it 2015 or 14? Um, 15? Um, he's lost 36 fumbles. So if you know your hands, your hand strength, your hand size contributes to something like that, then who would say this is insanely stupid? So you know, he also followed up by saying combine measurements and field drills are antiquated and pointless. No, they're they're not. Um, no, you're not a scout. They're not. Um, and the person says interviews and medicals are all that matters. Um, I don't know that the interview is the only thing that matters. I'm thinking sometimes the interviews are botched. Who's the interviewer? What are they asking about? What sort of background are they doing? The whole point here is, you know, to the can the kid play or not on film? If that was the only factor, and that's the most important factor, and this person says medicals and interviews, but if can the kid play or not on film, if that was the most important factor, wouldn't the first round be, oh, I don't know, a couple of misses and, 29 success stories, right? Can you play or not on film is just a small, small part of it. This is an incredibly complicated process. All right, we're going to find out what's going on down at the Westgate with the Super Bowl. Uh, I also want a, an idea of, uh, and it's very early, very early in the process, what uh, Superbook is thinking about the new look Raiders in terms of management and uh, a possible win total looking ahead to next year. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting. All right, rolling on as we uh, continue to get more news in on the uh, Raiders coaching staff, management. They've added an assistant GM and Champ Kelly, one of the guys who interviewed for the GM spot and uh, we'll tell you after five o'clock that they've just added another coach to the staff but that's coming up let's get to business here around Las Vegas is uh we're going to start to see the big blowouts with the prop sheets I mean just booklets and booklets and the you know the king of all of this our buddies down at Superbook Nevada inside the Westgate Art Caesar is on the horn with us to uh Talk about what's coming up here in just a little bit. This is always highly anticipated. Art, how you doing, buddy? Steve, it's a pleasure to be here. This is a very fun and stressful time of the year. But, yeah, prop booklets will be out here at 7 p.m. tomorrow. So, you know, we'll have lines. It should be a lot of fun. All right, coming out tomorrow. What's the Tell people what the process is because I know you're relatively new at Superbook. And we've talked to Mari and Cornegay in the past, so uh, – Give us your take on the process of putting together hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of bets. Well, listen, we have the best team. You know, our risk team is there's no one better than those guys in the back room. And they're just back there, man. They're, you know, they're sitting there and they're putting this all together and they're going to put out a great prop booklet as they do every year. And I think it's just the 
knowledge and the experience that our team has in that back room, being able to, you know, say this is my 10th Super Bowl, 15th Super Bowl, 20th Super Bowl, depending on who it is, and just putting that all together. And it's, you know, it's a collective effort, and it's not just the guys in the back, it's the guys in the front, it's everybody. It really is a team effort. Yeah, I was going to say, how much do you guys get to collaborate uh, some of the newer people in the book in terms of making suggestions? Like, do you, is there kind of an open forum? Like, hey, I think this would be really good. And then, you know, at times we're like, yeah, that's pretty smart. And other times we're like, that's terrible. And then you might get verbally destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I haven't, I'm, I'm so new that I haven't even wanted to dip my toe into that yet. Maybe next year for Super Bowl, I'll start throwing some stuff out there because I'm like, listen, let me just get through my first Super Bowl at Superbook and not have to be, you know, the guy who's throwing out stuff on a Friday or Thursday, and they're like, look at this idiot. So I don't even want to go there yet. Uh, I'm sure, you know, you've had your moments on the other side of the counter. As a player, um, what did you always find in, intriguing or maybe where you can get an edge uh, when you play props? You know, for me, I, I always like to just zero in on maybe players I have followed all year, maybe guys that were already on a fantasy team of mine, you know, guys who I'm just like, all right, if I had Jamar Chase all year or I had Joe Burrow or just someone who I know kind of what I'm going to get from them. And then obviously their props are going to be all over the board. Anytime touchdown score, receptions, receiving yards, will they get a rushing attempt if you're Jamar Chase? So things of that nature, I always try to tell people, kind of stick to the guys you know. Maybe don't go outside the box and try to have a lot of fun that way because it could be overwhelming. There's so many props you're like, I don't know what to do. So stick to what you know and have fun that way. We don't really have the exotics, although in Nevada we've expanded our horizons when it comes to prop bets, and there, you know, there's some, some different stuff out there. What's your opinion on exotics? Do you think Nevada does it right? You know, without getting yourself in trouble in Nevada. Do you think Nevada does it right? Um, is there a middle ground? Because we've pointed out, not to be like the fun police, but props, exotic props can get kind of stupid sometimes to the point where a player really better pay attention to the chance that they might get jobbed on something if there's not real specifics on a goofy prop. I totally agree. I think exotics are fun, Steve, in the sense that they're fun to talk about, right? Like, everyone understands what Joe Burrow's passing yards are, Matthew Stafford's touchdowns are, but when you start mixing, you know, will the backup tight end have more catches than Alex Ovechkin's shots? I mean, you start really diving into things that are fun to talk about. I've never been an exotic fan myself. I do think they, they're building more and more, and you'll see more and more of them as the years progress, but to me, the exotic market is way too above my head. Uh, Westgate's going to have uh, multiple Super Bowl parties around the property, so make sure you get in contact with the folks down there. Uh, get your big game reservations all set. They know how to do parties down at the Westgate. Just to go back to the exotics, um, and you know what I'll bring up as an example, a couple of you know goofy ones. Well, first of all, one of the most popular ones is a national anthem, but the national anthem you see oftentimes when that, and I always talk about it. I always like to you know say, hey, we've got insight on this thing. Um, the national anthem can be tricky and it's a it's a perfect example of um what are the rules on a bet you know what what happened is the song over at the first brave if someone takes you know three braves at the end uh you know then is there an issue and i'll give you the other one the really goofy one about eight years ago was uh beyonce no cleavage or cleavage 
And <laughs> the, book, the book, I'm telling you, the books were all because it's, 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 that's not really an exact deal. It's an exact deal. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the book could be like, oh, well, you know what? And, you know, that happened a lot with offshore. So I'm just telling, these are fun, folks, but be very, care- very, very careful. Yeah, I mean, when you're diving into something like a Beyonce, I mean, that's subjective stuff. It's like some person could think it one way, some the other way. I always tell people, anytime you make a bet anywhere, depending on if it's with us, any other place around town, offshore, make sure you're reading the fine print. Make sure you're reading house rules, because that, in the end, is where they're going to decide on how they're going to grade a, a particular prop or anything. So make sure you're reading house rules. Let me get your opinion to close out on a couple of uh, sports topics. Uh, first of all, we're uh, looks like the Raiders are kind of building Patriots West. I, I mean, I think fans have the right to be enthused based on what they heard from Dave Ziegler, the GM, and Josh McDaniels, the new coach. If and there's so much to be decided here. If I set the Raiders' uh, next season win total at eight and a half, what do you think? Interesting. Listen to me. I look at it, and yes, Josh McDaniels has probably matured a little bit finally is ready to take another head coaching job. Obviously, he already coached in this division. The division's tough. We know how good the Chiefs are. Obviously, the Chargers and Raiders are kind of neck and neck. I also look at Denver. It's not a bad team. They went 7-10, and 10 and they really had no quarterback play. Are they in play for Rodgers? Are they in play for maybe a Garoppolo or another veteran? I think 8.5 is tough. I mean, that's probably right where the number would be. If you told me they went 8-9, and nine, it wouldn't shock me. So I'd probably lean under. Yeah, and I love the way you just broke that down because the Raiders could be better and actually not win you know, close to 10 games because of the division. And then there's the flip side of this. The Bucks right now, uh, you know, there are numbers out there. Hey, make the playoffs, not make the playoffs next year. Um, slight favorite on the no. Now, you have to analyze that division because right now that division could be an abject disaster. The Bucks could win eight games you know, with Kyle Trask. I don't know, Teddy Bridgewater and still win the division because that division looks to be the most incomplete rebuild mode outside of the Falcons. Well, that's exactly how I would look at it, Steve, right? I mean, obviously we know Tampa's got a lot of weapons in place with Evans and Godwin. Obviously take Gronk out of it, he won't be there. But if they were to get one of those veteran quarterbacks or maybe Kyle Trask grows up and he becomes a good player, the division's no good. I mean, New Orleans complete rebuild. Atlanta, I'm still not sold on them. Eventually, Matt Ryan will leave that situation. Who knows? Atlanta wasn't even that good this year, and Carolina's a mess. So, I mean, if you're setting them at minus 140 on a yes, plus 110 on a no, I mean, that's tough. I mean, that division is really up for grabs. I mean, Tampa is really just a plug quarterback away from maybe winning the division again. Or tell people one more time if they just tuned in, Superbook, Westgate, the uh, the big uh... – booklet of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of props comes out when hundreds and hundreds of props will be out 7 p.m tomorrow at the Westgate. be here because i'm telling you there will be lines yes there, there will be all right Art, <laughs> good time man we appreciate you stepping up thank you steve anytime my friend and art's right there will be lines there because uh, all around town when these odds come out especially the pros and there are pros who really love props the goal here is to get the best number possible, and then there's going to be a lot of middles. And if you shop the numbers, and and a lot of the books have, you know, like commonplace year to year props at different places will have much different numbers. So, and this is the thing I think you know the bookmakers fear. Uh, although, as we found out, 
uh, most of the time they're winning on these props unless it goes super offensive in a game and it's actually helped the hold in a big way. Uh, props have been a – they're fun to play, but beware. Don't go too crazy on the whole freaking thing. Five o'clock hours coming up. A little later on the show, we're going to check in with a guy who uh, worked with, played under uh, the new Raiders head coach, Josh McDaniels. We'll talk to Kyle Brady, a former NFL tight end. But on the way back, we'll get to the Big Five. And we do have that news on uh, addition to the Raiders coaching staff. And it does look like Jim Harbaugh not going to the NFL. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota.